This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Virtual office as of 2020 has a much different ring and connotation to it than it did just a few months ago. As more and more people work from home, more times than not in a spare bedroom or from the dining room table, what sort of impact will this have on the profession moving forward? This episode is generously supported by BQE Software. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are talking about the virtual office. And what does that even mean these days? <laughs> yeah. Is, is that even a thing anymore? Can you call it that? <laughs> yeah, it's just office. It's just office. It's like, exactly. Right? So let's set the table a little bit and introduce a few variables because between you and me, Andrew, I think we're covering just about all possible combinations of people working from home and having to have this kind of quote unquote virtual office. So we have big firm covered. That'd be me. Yeah. Teaching. That'd be you. Yeah. Sole practitioner, which is kind of also you. You still a little got bit. Some, yeah. I've still got, got some of that stuff, stuff doing. On. And I was thinking the only thing that's missing is the small firm, but I'm not sure that category exists because none of the things that we're discussing today are restricted to having deep pockets in order to execute. So it's kind of like office teaching more than one person, one person. It's not that complicated anymore. The idea of big office versus small office, the process is probably still very similar at the moment. It may be managing a few more people, but you still kind of manage them in the same way, I would imagine. Yeah. And and you use the same tools and the same kind of processes and check downs are all in place. So I'm not sure that if I just look at the small office I was in a year and a half ago versus now, there's no difference in how I would go about executing my tasks or engaging with my fellow coworkers when we're not in the same space, which let's be honest, that's what virtual office kind of used to mean. I could have my office in Dallas and I can employ people from anywhere in the country or the world for that matter. And how do we communicate and coordinate our efforts to produce a single product? Exactly. And distance is irrelevant in this matter. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I'm talking to, like right now, you and I, we're not in the same city and it's not that big a deal. I'm looking at you. I know, right? We're recording. We can share screens. We got all this down. It's much different. I think the idea of it. The reality of it is a lot different now than it would have been a year ago or two years ago. I'd even say seven months ago, it's a lot different. You know, we kind of touched on the whole idea of the work from home is kind of a special release topic. You and I had a conversation at the beginning of the show before we hit the record button. Like, are there some areas that we shouldn't discuss because we've talked about them, you know, back in March or whenever we recorded that episode was? Episode 46. That's all I can remember. Episode 46. Yeah. Work from home. Yeah. And we thought, well, we don't want to cover old ground if we can help it. But the reality is, is that what I know just a few months later is pretty profound. I went from not having to coordinate things remotely or virtually to now that's what I do all the time. In fact, half the times I'm talking to somebody, I'm doing what I do now, like remotely in the office. Like the person I'm talking to is also in the office. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. But that's a big reason why the whole virtual office as a topic is still viable today as it was back in March when we did the original work from home episode, because this whole period, people are learning, not only is it viable, it works, and people are still able to do their jobs at a very high level. And so even when things do go back to normal, I don't think they're going to go back to the way they were. Back to normal. Yeah, right. Yeah. Old normal is not normal anymore. Yeah, it won't be. I don't think so either. So let's talk about the virtual office. This isn't co-working virtual office type space where you have a phone number. I mean, I guess it could be that talk. I wasn't planning on it being that talk where you have a phone number that rings a virtual assistant and they redirect it so you can pretend that you have a receptionist somewhere else. Or even though it's a part of it, this isn't the space that you rent a mailbox from. Like it's not that kind of virtual office. Like if you go online and you go, what is a virtual office? You're going to get something drastically different than What today's topic is really about, which is not just working remotely, but the ability to do your job remotely. That kind of sounds like the same thing, but it's not. (laughs) So if we start talking about the working remotely, which my wife does 100% of the time now, and Mm -hmm. I do it 50% of the time, 
So let's talk about the virtual office, like some of the components that make up into that. And the first and primary one to me is space. I know like right now, where are you sitting, Andrew? <laughs> I am sitting at my dining room table. That is where I'm sitting. Yeah. And where are you? Because I can see. I can see where you're well, sitting. Well, <laughs> and that's part of the conversation. So and you're at your dining room table, but you've set up a sheet behind you. Yes, I have. Multiple sheets. It's a yes, black a, background. Yes. And I am in my bedroom, as you can see, because there's my bed. Right there's there. a bed behind you and some side tables. Yes. And the dog bedroom. I mean, you can see it all. Yeah. And uh, the challenge with this is that, okay, so I have a four bedroom. Yeah, I have a four bedroom house. And I have three clumps of people that need a bedroom. My wife and I share a bedroom. So we have a Jack and Jill, which has been turned into a Jack, or in this case, I have a daughter. It's a Jill. And then there's a playroom and it's her playroom, but she's kind of old for that business now. The guest bedroom, which is where you used to stay, is actually where the young woman who's living with us because she's from Shanghai and she wouldn't be able to go to school if someone didn't take her in. So we've got... Basically, four rooms in our house that aren't like the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, or the den mm. that are enclosed spaces. There is a human being in every one of them that's doing teleconferencing, video calls, yeah. the, the whole thing. What I've noticed is some of the people that I work with on their residential projects, we're now starting to have conversations about how do I set up my space that allows me to do what I need to do? Sound has been mitigated. How do I build in my furniture so that what you see behind me doesn't matter? Because like, think about kids. Honestly, my daughter goes to an all-girls school, so it's not as big a deal. But let's say that she didn't. She's on camera, and like behind her, you see her bedroom. I mean, as a dad, I don't want all these like strange boys looking in my daughter's bedroom. Yeah. No, I don't want that televised to the general public. Yeah. 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 That's not something I'm okay with. And God, her room's never clean enough anyway. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, more what I'm worried about. It's like, you guys are going to see what kind of slob my kids are. I know. Okay, that's amazing. So that's a big part of it. Now, like, how do you lay out a space where the furniture is a consideration so that you can control what people are looking at as part of your backdrop? Mm -hmm. And I know that some people will turn on the green screen, the fake screen, so you can't see that I'm in my bedroom. And of course, what happens is like my arms and the sides of my head kind of disappear. Yeah, I can't stand that. I mean, I know that people do it, but it drives me nuts because there's just this halo around you. And yeah, even if you like just it. turn sideways, half your face will disappear. Yeah, it's a little distracting. So that's a consideration that we have that's kind of going on. The idea of creating like dedicated workspace, which there's not a white paper on the planet that doesn't say that if you're actually going to be working wherever it is you work, it needs to be dedicated to work. It can't be work slash kitchen table. Like ideally, <laughs> not in the long run because it doesn't function that way. Yeah, that's not sustainable. Yeah. I would even say that like sound, mitigating sound is an issue. For you, you're in your dining room, but your space doesn't sound particularly live. Yeah. But if I went into my dining room to record, it's wood floors, it's hard walls. It's a noisy space. Which is funny because I'm sitting to my right is a solid glass wall. To my left is a sheetrock. The floor is tile and this table is stainless steel. So there's a lot of hard surfaces, but I- yeah. Do you have nothing on the steel? No. Uh-uh. That's weird. I think it's maybe because it's more open. Is your ceiling pitched? Nope. And it's eight foot. It's low. Well, that might help the fact that you have lower ceilings. Maybe so. I don't know. That kind of throws me off a little bit because you'll talk to some people and they're in like the loudest, livest, hottest sounding space ever. Yeah. And that drives us nuts just for recordings. Not that we don't love oh, them, God. but some of our interviews were like, oh man. You're like, don't go stand. In the tin can. In the background, somebody's frying eggs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. The other issue that people are having to deal with is bandwidth, Wi-Fi, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. There's a couple considerations. So like we have a bunch of young people in our office and they live in apartment buildings. They can say, I pay for amazing Wi-Fi service, but with everybody being in the, their apartments working, yeah, it's all going the same place. They have the same providers when they get that kind of density put together. Or let's say you live in a really urban environment and you're in a large apartment building. That kind of connectivity starts to be an issue. And everyone's kind of got limited bandwidth within their own platform. But then that same platform has limited bandwidth based on the junctions that it feeds into for like the whole building. Yeah. Everybody who's on AT&T or Spectrum or whatever it is, they're all tapping into the same service. 
And that can be an issue. And I can tell you, since we've had connectivity issues, and just to put a point on this, the service that I get, and I tested it, I get 350 megs down and 20 up. That's what I get. Mm -hmm. Problem is, if you go straight Wi-Fi, you get half of that. That's what happens automatically. You get half when your Wi-Fi is opposed to your hardwired in. So after we had our whole re-record the last episode debacle, I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so, so I yeah. actually got a 150-foot Cat6 cable so I could hardwire myself in directly from where I'm at just, now yep. to the router because I'm not messing with it anymore. You just dragged it through the living room. <laughs> Everyone's got to step over it. It's the worst. So now I'm hardwired in, so I get all the good stuff. And I'm off the Wi-Fi, which is actually helping everybody else because they're on the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. So there's some considerations. It used to be like, why would you ever hardwire anymore? You don't need to do that. Wi-Fi is good enough. We're learning that it may not be enough. Yeah, it's true. The other thing that was on my list that was kind of a consideration for the whole virtual office thing, and this may sound really obvious, but it's equipment. Yeah. I can tell you in the last five months, I'm surrounded by equipment I didn't have until March. And you would probably never even contemplated having. No, no, of course not. What do I need that for? (laughs) Why would I need that? Yeah. So like, for instance, now I have a really nice desk, Mm -hmm. which I didn't have before. I remember the first couple of days when we got sent home thinking, no, this won't last that long. I like sat in the bed and worked. (laughs) I mean, it was made... It was yeah. made up. I wasn't in the sheets, you know. But you were like, meh, this will be cool. A couple of days, I'll manage. Yeah, I'll just sit on the bed. Yeah, because I didn't have a desk. My wife was working at the desk. My daughter and, and Iru, the other young woman who lives with us, they have desks in their room. And I wasn't going to sit at the kitchen table because all of a sudden, everybody's got to come in and grab some goldfish or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not messing with that. Plus, we have the construction work going on. I needed to not be out there. Yeah. As those knuckleheads are doing what they're doing. So I got relegated to this room. Finally, I pulled a folding card table in here. As soon as it became apparent this was a longer term issue, I was like, I need a proper desk and I need a proper chair and I need monitors and I need something to hold my monitors. And the list went on and on and on. You need an office. I need an office. Yeah. So I went and I got all that equipment. You had a hard time getting a webcam. I didn't have any problems getting a webcam and it wasn't even expensive. Interesting. And I think I did it early enough. Once things kind of got hairy, you couldn't get webcams. You still can't kind of buy them. I mean, there's some of the more popular affordable ones that you can't buy anymore. If you do, it's like twice the retail value now if you want to get one. (laughs) Yeah, I ought to put a link. I think it was like $30. It works fine. So it's a good camera and it didn't cost me very much. Yeah. Now, one of the biggest things, I don't know if you get made fun of for this. People in my office are, I get this still. So I used to have, I mean, I still have them, the Apple ear pods and they work great and they sync with my computer. But at the time, I mean, I'd have calls on Uber conference and Zoom and Microsoft Teams and then go to meeting and all their settings are slightly different. And once you did one, it would kick you out of the other. And so we spent all this time going, can you hear me? Can anyone hear me? Is my microphone working? Yeah. Which we still get a lot of that, which drives me crazy. So finally I said, enough of this. I have really expensive microphone equipment because I do a podcast, if you didn't know. Yeah. And so I just set up, I have a $700 microphone. I have a really nice boom arm. I have audio mixing equipment to my left. (laughs) And so now when I'm on all these calls, I mean, I get the whole, I'm a DJ comment Mm -hmm. as they see my microphone and I'm leaning back and I move my mic in and out and they're like, what is going on in there? What are you doing? Yeah. I get those in my faculty meetings where they're like, whoa, man, you're sounding super smooth. And yeah, because I've done that too. I set mine up that it was, it's just so much easier Yeah, just to leave it and keep it. And then when I have class, it's better. And yeah, my uh, department head has been like, man, I want to buy your microphone. And I send him the leak and he goes, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah. How about you just loan it? I don't need that kind of microphone. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just, no, not what you need. And then this piece of equipment, the mixer and the you know, the cloud lifter and da-da-da. Yeah. All the stuff we use. For- it costs money to sound that's good. <laughs> that's so cocky sounding <laughs> to sound this good. <laughs> that's right. I would have people in my office ask me to say things like, this is Bob Borson coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, 
K505. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so I have good equipment. It makes a difference. And I mean, I go, if you see the long-term prospects of working from home and having to communicate with people, I think there might be some considerations to you actually going and getting a proper mic and not using the little microphone that's on your headphone jack. Or the one that's built into your webcam that's four feet away and it's a little tiny thing, right? I mean, those are not good either. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. So Andrew and I are sitting here with Steve Burns, FAIA, the Chief Creative Officer with BQE Software, and we're here talking about BQE Core, which is a software that I'm familiar with, Andrew's familiar with, but Steve, in your own words, can you tell the listeners about BQE Core? I would sum it up by saying it's really practice management software designed by architects for architects. And so what I mean by practice management is takes care of all the business needs of your firm from time and billing issues to project management, project workflow, quality control, communications that you run in the firm, and scheduling, resource allocation, and reporting. I love it. It does it all. Yeah, right? Well, let's talk about automation and autonomy where BQE Core is concerned because that's the direction that we're heading. Software and technology are enabling architects to do more of what they love to do when they take advantage of things like automation and autonomy, which is a feature that's built into BQE Core. So autonomy is an amazing opportunity in the future. We were talking a little bit earlier about the AI, moving into the AI. I wanted to talk about function that many firms struggle with, which is resource allocation. Who's available in three weeks when we got a new project coming in the door? Or what are people working on this week or next month? Or how utilized is everybody? Can we find out, is Andrew available to do anything for me this week? A client called up, we got to put out a fire. Who's available in the office? Mm -hmm. So our software clearly tells people who's available, however long you want to look into the future. But the problem is someone has to maintain and manage that. So if I wanted Andrew to be working on a project next week, and he couldn't do it because another client called up and it was more important to us that Andrew would go do that. Someone literally had to go into the system and change his allocation. Now that's something that doesn't need to be done by a human being any longer. You might be wondering, what is he talking about? Here's a real world thing that we've all experienced. If you go to the airport today, I know that I'm going to go to gate 23A. As I'm about to get into the airport, it moved my gate to 27B. Now, why did that happen? It didn't happen because Bob felt that it'd be more convenient to move the plane into 27B. It's happening because the plane that's currently in 23A needed a part replaced. So the system automatically knows what are all the availabilities for all the other gates, and let's get this new plane that's coming in out there. And so there's no human in charge of this. It's all autonomous. The software knows what the right decision needs to be. So what we're looking at is we're looking at how can we get people to stop with one of the biggest issues they ask us for is we want Gantt charts, which we have in core, but it has to be maintained. But we know that the real world isn't as clean as a Gantt chart. So why is it that if you didn't get around to doing a particular task because something else came up, the system can't shuffle everything around automatically for you? And that's what AI is really about, is the system knows what's the right answer. It can make critical business decisions for you and do it better than you can, because frankly, that's full of human error too. I don't know to say it's not coming off as the old guy, but some of the things you're saying, I go, really? Really? Hmm? The idea that the computer can make the right business decisions for me, I know that's not preposterous because I don't have any business training. I just have 25 years of experience that would tell me this makes sense or this might be better. And that presumes that I've done the right things and I've grown my skill set in a way that's right. But BQE Core has intelligence built into it that at the very least, I could ease into it by saying, this is what I think, and it could do it. I could see if I agree with the computer. You right? can do that, Bob. We'll let you do that. Can you let me do that? So I'll, I'll, make it less, <laughs> I'll make it less Terminator type for you, okay? So there's a simple feature in Core where you can have Core send the invoice to your client electronically. They click a button. They pay it instantly. They can do it. <laughs> What? Wait, that's nobody that, ever we just pays. left reality. Yeah. They'll play it. <laughs> they pay it instantly. They pay it instantly. <laughs> they, they look at your invoice to go, wow, that invoice is so spectacular because Core made that and it's beautiful invoice. It's very presentable, okay. right? They go, oh, Bob's <laughs> definitely worth all of that. I'm going to pay his invoice. They click a button. They can use their credit card, get their Amex miles if they want. You get paid instantly. The system, Core recognizes that payment has been made. 
now notes that that invoice is no longer an accounts receivable. It's marked as paid, and the whole process happens automatically. If you're going to use our e-payments feature, which you can ease into, you can even decide, maybe I'll let this client use it and not this other client use it. That's absolutely fine as well. The client pays by themselves. You receive the payment automatically. It's in your cleared and in your bank at that moment. And the system takes care of all of the back-end work that someone else in your firm probably had to deal with. It sounds too good to be true. It's true, Bob. (laughs) So Steve has done something really nice. BQE Software has done something really nice. Life of an Architect podcast listeners can receive 10% discount off annual course subscription when you sign up today for a free trial. Visit www.bqe.com forward slash LOAA to learn how the complete and flexible business platform made for architects by architects will help manage your firm so you can focus on what you love to do the most. Steve, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate the time. That was a great pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Bob and Andrew. I really enjoyed this. It was a little daunting to come in here and see these fancy microphones and, <laughs> and two men in black. <laughs> Nothing but uh, the best for yeah, you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. That's how we yeah. roll here. Yeah, I so. appreciate it. I, I love your podcast. I love your blog. I think what you two are doing is just phenomenal. And uh, clearly, there is a need for it in the community. So thank you. Let's hope it stays that way. I know. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right, Steve. Cheers. Cool. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. All right, let me ask you this. There's one other piece of equipment that we didn't talk about, and I forgot about it until just now. Telephones. Mm-hmm. You've been a two-telephone guy. Yeah, I have been, and then I'm not, and now I'm, I'm wanting to go back to it since I moved back into home. Before that, I just had an office phone in my office and then my personal cell phone. But now that I've moved into my house, I'm going to probably go back to a two-issue phone. I tried to transfer the landline from my office to my house, seeing as they were only 1.3 miles apart, but <laughs> didn't turn out that that was an option. They wouldn't let you. And so now I'm moving back to where I just want to get a, a cell phone that's a different number so I can keep things separate. After five o'clock, put that other one in a jar of rice and walk away for the day. <laughs> I never have understood the two phone. Let me phrase that. I understand why you would want to have two phones so that, you know, church and state business versus non-business. But I can't help every time I see someone carrying around two phones, I go, that poor schlub with his (laughs) two stupid phones having to carry that stuff around. Like who wants to carry two phones around? Yeah. Yeah, I did it for a while, but I wouldn't really want to. And I don't think I would carry two phones around, but I would just have a different number that was only work stuff so that I wouldn't, it wouldn't be interrupting. Like in the residential world, you were okay with people calling you on Saturdays to talk about stuff probably. And that's kind of more convenient for them. But I don't want my commercial clients bother me on the weekends. No, leave me alone. So I wouldn't want them to have my personal cell phone number. Nowadays, people call my landline at the office and it just forwards to my cell phone. That's okay. Go, but you've so- got a different number at least. I mean, that's still the same. That's the same premise. I know, but that's the argument for not having two cell phones because you can get a landline and just not even actually have it go anywhere and have it automatically forwarded to your cell phone. Yeah, true. And turn that off and on as you need it as opposed to like you're having to carry two phones around. That just sounds madness to me. I guess if you had that landline and it was forwarded to my cell phone, then they're going to get my cell phone voicemail as opposed to a office professional oriented voicemail. Does that make sense? You're sort of church and state about your blog stuff. I'm sort of church and state really about that stuff. I don't like an overlap there. Which I get it. I get that. So look, let's move on to software. Because since we kind of talked about all this stuff back in March, Mm -hmm. some software we kind of talked about, but my knowledge or my understanding or how I use it is in some cases profoundly different than what it was back then. And there's some software I use now that I didn't really use, or I use it in a way that could have used it before, but I just didn't because I didn't have a need for it. Yeah. So, and I've kind of broken down the software in my notes here into two categories. Both are related to some form of communication. There's the communication that's associated with talking and interacting with like clients and coworkers, that kind. Mm -hmm. And then there's the communication as it relates to drawings and documentation. So for talking, like what we're doing right now, with all this virtual office, I actually, I think I told you about it. It's this party software called OBS. Yes. Which is a platform which allows me to control what is on screen on all these teleconferencing calls. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about 
did I mute myself or did I turn my camera off and it looks like I'm not there anymore? With OBS, I can set up different backgrounds. So if I want logos in the background, if I have one that's for Boca Pal, I can say Boca Pal over my shoulder. Or for you, it could say Texas A&M College of Architecture, whatever it is. Yeah. But if I need to step away, I can turn on a screen that actually says that I've stepped away from my camera, not just turn my camera off. Yeah. And so do you like it? Yeah. Because I know you started using it quite a bit. Yeah, I've been using it for everything. I mean, I really enjoy it. I've actually found that I've been using that to make videos and record things for my students or even some other faculty members. I can show my screen and I can show me up in the corner talking. And so I've done some few things like that as well through OBS. But yeah, I'm definitely trying to get more into using that as a mechanism for communication. Well, that's one of the things that's really neat about using a platform like OBS is because you can actually take the feed from multiple cameras if you wanted to. Yeah. Meaning if I wanted to position a camera over my desk, so if I wanted to sketch and show my hand as I'm doing that in plan view, but then have another camera that's looking at me face on so that I could be looking at that while talking, while people can actually see in plan view my hand sketching of whatever it is I was doing. Mm -hmm. OBS, it's free software, it's just shareware. You can download it and you can do all kinds of stuff with it. This was software that was developed in the gaming platform. So whenever you see people if you ever go to YouTube or whatever and they're playing a video game, but down the corner you see them talking, oh, someone shoot that guy or hey, look out for this dude or you know whatever the case is. Yeah. That software, that's kind of where that came out of. And it's been in place for a really long time, but maybe people are now are just starting to discover that there's other uses than video gameplay recordings. It's pretty customizable. Once you get the hang of it, it works pretty well, I think. Yeah. I had some trouble getting it to work for my Zoom calls, but then I finally figured it out and now it's like... Piece of cake. Yeah, I do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it certainly gives you a lot more flexibility than the native software of some of these teleconferencing, like mm -hmm. the Zooms and the Microsoft Teams and the Uber conferences of the world. Yeah, OBS sure. gives you a lot more flexibility. So I really enjoyed it. Now, on the teleconferencing platforms, you know, there's so many that are out there. And the last time we talked about it, we listed them all off. But as we've kind of evolved over the last couple of months, mm -hmm. I think I've fallen into the fact that we're like 70% Microsoft Teams and maybe 25% GoToMeeting and the final 5% is like Zoom. Our company doesn't really like Zoom because it's got all kinds of security issues with it. So they really don't want us using Zoom at all. Interesting. It's super easy to hack. And yeah, there's all kinds of problems with Zoom. That's funny um, because at university we use it. Yeah. Like I know like where my wife works. Southwest Airlines won't let them use Zoom. My company won't let you use Zoom. Yeah, it's been kind of an issue. But the thing that we've found is I like that we've kind of narrowed the bandwidth and I'm not having, because in the beginning, it's like using every single platform. Everyone was using their own thing. Now there's pros and cons to all these different ones. Like one of the things we liked about GoToMeeting is it's actually got drawing tools as part of it. So if I share my screen, there's a pen function, there's a markers, and I can like draw on the screen during the meeting if I have something up, which makes any kind of engagement I have with a client, if I just put a site plan up, the days of me having to go, you see where my cursor is? See my cursor right here <laughs> and how it's doing yeah. this? See where I'm pointing with my cursor? I don't have to do that anymore. I'll just grab a pen or a highlighter and I can actually start drawing on the screen. And it makes that kind of exchange with the client way more interactive. And there is no... Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you see Can where you my see cursor it? is? Yeah. yeah, all that stuff is gone. Now, I will say the one downside to that is I'm left-handed, but I use a right-handed mouse. Yeah. I mean, it's just what it is. So whenever I have to draw on screen, so it's not like drawing on a screen with the mouse is easy. Yeah, it's not right? great. It's already, and I'm having to do it with my wrong hand. <laughs> so all my sketches are on screen. I mean, think about... Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. So I have to sketch with my right hand, and I'm left-handed, with a mouse. Yeah. It's bad enough it's with a mouse, but then I've got to do it wrong-handed. Yes. That blows. I've actually gotten pretty good at it. I don't think I'd win any art contests, but I'm able to point at stuff. That's the nice thing about either OBS or in Zoom. I can actually plug in my iPad and use it as a screen, and so I can use my pencil or my stylus as the drawing tool. So it's even better than a mouse. Granted, I've gotten better at drawing with a mouse, but you can set it up that way and still make it work. Okay, well, let me ask you that. Does that work if, let's say that I share a site plan 
and you want to mark on it, can you then put my feed on your iPad and then sketch on it with your stylus? I don't know, because I haven't tried that. I've only done it in me going out, my stuff pushing out to someone else. I, don't, I have never tried it with. Yeah, because when you share your screen, you just select the iPad as the screen you're sharing. Yeah, exactly. And in that case, yes, you absolutely, you could stylus that up all day long, yeah. which would be a really cool thing. Like I've always wanted a big tablet because I think that'd be way faster for me. But if you wanted to mark up something that you were I sharing. was sharing. I don't know. I haven't tried that. That'd be a taller order for you to do. Maybe. I mean, granted, if I'm just zooming on my iPad, I can do that. But yeah, I don't know, like set up in a different way if I could make that view be on my iPad. You know, we've gotten to the point now to where when we share our screen, the rookie mistake was you share a monitor as opposed to you share a window. I've been burned twice. I got burned twice by doing this. We might be on a client call and there's like 10 of us on the call and we have Microsoft Teams open. And a lot of times during the call, we will message each other and say, hey, make sure that you tell them that it's $37 a square foot to get the level five scuff master, blah, 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 yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You'll send messages to one another. And sometimes the comments are not that professional, but partly because we're being curt and we're being fast and, and you don't want to hear, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. While, while you're on the phone. So you're not like writing a a novella as you're trying to tell somebody to like, don't Do forget this, to yeah. mention this. And once or twice, the person who was sharing their screen didn't share the window. They shared the monitor. Yeah. The actual screen, the whole thing. Yeah. So the message that I sent to them, that which <laughs> might have nothing to do with anything, yeah. pops up and everybody can see it. And I'm going, Dear God, close your window. Like, can you close it? Yeah, you're like, I was just goofing yeah. off. Yeah, I think that one of the times was like, hey, have you heard this new song by this band? You know, it oh, was, it yeah. was like. <laughs> totally unrelated. Yes. And that was the one that they just waited for it to like phase out. You know, like it pops on your screen for like 20 seconds <laughs> yeah, and, and then, then it goes, goes away. away. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you could X that and make it go away now. now. <laughs> do yeah. it. Do yeah. that now. <laughs> so now I don't, now I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, like. Sometimes I do, but that's because I'm in more control of my environment when it's my students. And so I know like nothing's going to happen. That and half the time it's because I've got a browser open and I'm switching between four different windows in that. And so I don't want to have to unshare and reshare. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some stuff like that happen where I'm like, dude, don't, don't share it that way, please. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful. We'll use Bluebeam a lot of times. It's really funny. I've had access to Bluebeam for, I don't know, eight or nine years now. And I always viewed it as kind of this glorified PDF program, right? Like it did some pretty neat stuff, but I was like, I don't really need any of that, you know, whatever. Now the way we use it is like, it's really valuable tool. So we have it to where we'll create sessions. So someone will share 50% DD set as a PDF and they'll set it up as a session within Bluebeam Mm -hmm. and they'll share that session with all the member in the team. So that means I can go make comments, you can make comments, she can make comments, they can make comments, and they're all showing up in the same document, and they're showing up live, which means I can be in the document at the same time that you're in the document, and I can actually tag you and say, Andrew, I need you to make a selection on this. The, the vapor barrier wrap that we're going to put underneath this metal because of high heat, whatever it is. Yeah. And it will alert you that I've specifically put something on you to deal yeah, with. Yeah, commented at You don't have whatever. to just... Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to hunt and find yeah. and hope that you see the question that I sent to you. It will actually message you and tell you that there's something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. So I, I have completely drunk the Bluebeam Kool-Aid at this point as a, an incredibly valuable collaboration. Yeah, so my question is, is that mostly internal or are you it using doesn't it have to be. externally for uh, like clients and stuff? As an interactive tool? No. It's mostly internal? Yeah, it's all internal, okay. but it's not because we couldn't. We just, I never have. I mean, that's what I was just curious about. Most of the time when I've used it, it's internal. It's not like I use it for anything to share stuff with clients, but internally, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, it always has been. Yeah, it works out really, really great. The other thing that's kind of evolved to a very high level is Microsoft Teams. Now, if you're not an Office 365 person, Slack is another kind of platform you can use that pretty much does all the exact same things. And some people say it even does them better mm-hmm. than Microsoft Teams does. They're pretty comparable. I think Slack is a little bit more vigorous in the options in the app that you can add on to your software, but there's not that big a drop-off between Teams. It's got a lower price point for entry, and it integrates with all my other Microsoft products really well. 
And so we've got it now to we set up project team groups. So in my team's dashboard, as it were, I have a team set up for every single one of my active projects. And it's got planners, it's got calendars, it's got to-do items. I can set tasks for all the different people I'm working with. And I can set deadlines for them to complete that work. And it'll alert them and it'll alert me if things are happening or not happening. It'll send out reminders to those people. Like they might get a message and say, you've been assigned a task. And it'll tell them through email that they need to lay out the exterior lighting in the parking lot. And I want that due by Thursday. Yeah. It'll alert them to all those things. So as much project management and assignment doling out that I want to do, I can do it all there. And so I can see why that would be incredibly valuable to a virtual office now, especially if I'm trying to coordinate a team that's in different time zones or in different countries for that matter. If I say, this is my list of responsibilities, it's very clear, very organized. It makes it very, very simple to track your progress. Do you use Teams at all? I Microsoft Teams? No. I'm pretty amazed. I find it does everything that I need. I haven't run up into any hurdles with using it to this point. At this point, the only place I would use it would be sort of in university setting. But <laughs> honestly, I don't know that they care to coordinate anything that much. <laughs> oh, look out now. You might have to cut that out. I know. Again, at least not in that major, in that sort of way, right? And again, the other problem I think that they run into with that is more that they have to my department can't buy it for just our department. It's got to be like, we have to buy 9,000 seats instead of the 50 that we need. Right. There's that sort of setup yeah. that makes it a little bit different, I think. I think those kind of things are really important no matter what. I mean, I used to do that in my office, and it was really important to keep those kind of things organized. And I think it's nice to have some sort of collaboration tool that'll do that for you. Well, now that so many people are doing the virtual office and the working from home so much effort and energy and resources are being poured into those platforms to make them yeah. viable. They're getting really competitive. They're really evolving quickly. And it is changing how we engage with one another in a fairly profound manner. Like all my leadership stuff is on it. You know, we can all get into it and edit the same document. So it'll tell me who said what if I get notified that I've been assigned a task or I've been charged with accomplishing something. It'll tell me. And it'll tell me if there's a deadline. And I remember like we're in the process of redoing our company website. It's something that they've been trying to wrap their arms around for the last four years. And I remember getting a notification. It says, you've been assigned a task and it's been marked critical. And I was like, you can't assign me a task and mark it critical when you've been working on it for five years, <laughs> right? It's not critical yeah. if it's been on the deck for five yeah. years. It's not critical to me at this point, at least for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So I found that kind of funny, but, but the whole process of how do you coordinate tasks and responsibilities between any number of different people, software like Slack and Microsoft Teams are really, really good platforms. And if you're not looking at them, I would highly recommend you explore those, check them out. I think the real takeaway though, is that if you're having some sort of virtual office where you're coordinating more than just yourself as a sole practitioner, yeah, it's like a hundred percent necessary that you have something like that. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but it, Definitely will help you if you don't. If you don't have one of those things and you're trying to manage people and projects, I would urge to, to look into it and pick one of those because it really helps keep things organized. Well, if nothing else, it manages expectations. Yeah. So if you don't have the ability, let's be honest, one of the things that we're missing in this era that we're in right now, which is virtual officing and work from homing. Yeah is the rapport that you can build with somebody. It's the idea that if I know you, I can get on you in different ways <laughs> yeah. to help push buttons, to motivate you. And sometimes it's stick and sometimes it's carrot. Yeah. That if you don't have that engagement, how do you manage expectations when you tell somebody, these are the 20 things that you're responsible for? Mm -hmm. And I'm counting on you understanding what it is I'm asking and what I want done and when I want it done by. I have the ability to control all of that information and how it gets distributed. And you know what I want and you know when I want it by. Yeah. So it really removes some of the, well, I asked you to do these five things. No, you didn't. Yeah. Yes, I did. You could say, well, I'm going to manage that. I'm just going to send them an email or I'm going to do this or that. And like, this sort of eliminates all that. Well, I never got an email. Or I didn't see that. But like, has, all you got to do is 
open up that project and there it is. And it says, it's all right there. Hey, Jim, you were supposed to do this by the 20th. What happened? There's no excuse yeah. for those things not yeah. to be there anymore, right? Yeah. It also lets me know that if I give you a task and it's three weeks out, one week goes by, I can look and see, like, have you done anything with it? Have you even started? Yeah. Yeah. And you can give me progress updates. You can say, I've started it, or I'm halfway done with it, or I'm at this point, or you can actually put comments and you can exchange dialogue regarding specific tasks. So it can be like, if I say, lay out all the site lighting with an emphasis on the parking lot, they can say, what's my budget that I need to work with? Mm -hmm. Or to what extent do we want zero lot line light fixtures? We want hooded. They can ask me questions that are specific or associated with that task within that assignment, Yeah, which is what makes it interesting. So you don't ever have to like, I can't find it or I don't know where it is. Yeah. It makes it very, very clean and simple. I'm hoping that you're not going to get some crazy idea to set one of those up for the podcast or I'll be screwed. <laughs> well, no, because you're not a Microsoft. I don't know. You know what? I love it, but I'm not that organized either. Like I'm so much better than I was. Yeah. I mean, there are people in my office, you kind of go, you're definitely a project manager. Yeah. I got you. I look at what they do and I go, I'm definitely not at that level. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. But the thing that I like about it is, I know, it's not particularly expensive. It doesn't matter that I'm a big firm or a small. Look, even if I work by myself, this would be the version of my to-do list. Yeah. And I could just write down all the things that I do so I don't have to forget. Call this client, do that, ask for the sample, reach out to this vendor. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, it's worth looking into. Yes. So let's move into the next thing that's on my list. And I'm not sure that this is a, a virtual office issue, but I think it's a, it's a byproduct of the virtual office, and especially when the virtual office is your house. And it has to do with hours. Mm -hmm. And I would say, does anybody even work regular hours anymore? Yeah. For me personally, this work from home or even the idea of a virtual office is really difficult to manage. I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to have a home office because I have a hard time separating those things out. Getting out of bed. Well, yeah, but just making sure that I allotting, here's my work day and this is all I'm going to do instead of getting distracted when I walk by the washing machine and need to change over a load of laundry or something. Yeah. I think that that's a difficulty in that scenario of virtual office, but then also, yeah, are you ever really either not working or not available to work? I think there's a corollary here. And so when I was younger, I played a lot of different musical instruments. The last one I played with enthusiasm was the tenor saxophone. And this was like in college and I was in the jazz band. And I remember that from a practice standpoint, people would say, like, if you take your saxophone, it's actually, it's sitting on the, right next to me right now. My saxophone oh, is, it is really? sitting right next to my foot. Funny. Yeah, I'm looking right at it. If it's sitting in the case, the idea of like, I got to pop the case and put it all together and, you know, whereas if I just buy a stand where I never put it in the case, I just pull it out. Like I just lift it up and I'm ready to go. You're more likely to practice. To do it. Right. You go, I got 20 minutes. I'll do some arpeggios or something like that. As opposed to, I only got 20 minutes. By the time I take it out, it's, it's going to take me... I'll yeah. have enough time to put it together, then I got to take it back apart again. Yeah. Blow two notes and then take it back apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of logic, especially since like my desk and like where I'm at right now and this, which is where I work when I'm at home, it's my bedroom. And so I walk by this 10 o'clock at night and I sit down and I go, oh, I'll just send out this quick email or, oh, I, I get a yeah. wild idea. And next thing you know, I'm sitting at my desk and it's been three hours. Mm -hmm. and my wife's sitting in the other room, like doing whatever it is that she's doing. And it's funny. We have some of the older guard in our office in leadership who think that all the young people are just goofing off at home. When you're not in the office. Yeah, you're not working. You're just not working. You're yeah, you're Netflix. binging Netflix, watching cartoons. Yeah, you sleep. And, you know, and the reality is, I think that people are more productive in these environments, especially when we're locked up because there's nothing else to do. I mean, everyone was like going crazy doing stuff that maybe they would normally do or taking things further than they normally would. And I can tell you that having my computer set up and I just walk by it all the time, I work more. I put in more hours now than I ever have because my home slash office is always there. Like I can't ever get away from it. Mm -hmm. There is no, when I leave the office to drive home. So let's say that we weren't doing this. We weren't recording the episode tonight. I get to work around seven o'clock in the morning and I would probably work until six o'clock and then I pack up and I head home and then it's like time with the family or I make dinner or whatever the case may be. When I'm already home and I don't do that traveling, there's nothing to keep me from just continuing to do work. And as a result, I kind of tend to do that work. Yeah. And so I think that the, the whole hours, 
how do you separate out personal time and professional time when they both exist in the same space? I think it's something that, from what I hear from people, it's not really worked out yet, especially if it's in your dining room. Yeah. Like if your office is in your dining room, right? In that part of it? Yeah. It reminds me of some of the stuff that we talked about when we were talking with Eric Reinhold about his whole split the day mentality and this is for creative time and this is for work stuff. I think you still have to do some of that, but I do find myself as things are just, the office is always around me. I'll sit down and at like 10 o'clock and go, oh man, I should respond to this email. Like I saw it come up earlier and I kind of disregarded it. I'll sit down and do that. And for me, on some days I don't have any other distractions. Like when my kids aren't here and there's nobody in the house but me, that could turn into five hours real quick of just, I'm going to do this, going to do this. Yeah. And sometimes I think that you've got to try to figure out how to make that work. We hit on a lot of things where the virtual office, we talked about software, we talked about hardware, we talked about services, third-party services, we talked about hours. I mean, we kind of covered a lot of it. So we got to get to this week's, this episode's hypothetical question, Mm -hmm. which I came up with this one myself just a few hours ago. Like literally you just pulled it out of thin air or you found it somewhere? No, I pulled it out of thin air. Oh, all right. So it may be terrible. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see, because I haven't read it. I don't really know what it is, so. Oh, well, we need to put that call out to people to start sending in hypothetical questions again, because we have the hypothetical oh. show coming up. All right, so here it is. Here's this episode's hypothetical question. You wake up tomorrow to discover that everybody now has the ability to fly. What happens next? And is this a good thing or a bad thing? First off, there's a million questions that you, (laughs) there's so many loopholes in this automatically. Yeah, I know. Right. Not to mention a, if I don't have to pay to fly somewhere, all the jets are gone. They're all suffering right now because of the way the situation is. There's rules. Okay. You can't fly more than 15 miles an hour. Well, then I'm, I ran this up the flagpole at my office this afternoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so one of the things we talked about was the speed at which you can fly. And do you have to physically yeah. like flap your arms to fly or whatever? So I decided that it would be more interesting to cap how fast you can fly. So there is no flying around the planet so fast that you can move time backwards. Reverse like time Superman like Superman. <laughs> yes. Can't do that. Yeah. So defy the laws of physics. We also wanted to make sure that the speed at which you move didn't preclude the existence of cars. Like you had to make a decision. Mm, is this a walkable thing or do I fly or do I drive? So we decided that you couldn't fly Well, that's fly too many fast. rules. Well, you haven't listed any rules yet. Well, then what's the point? Well, you're still flying. Anyway, go ahead. Finish your rules. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. So in your mind, you're either flying super fast or it's just screw it. It's not worth it. That's really your take on this? Well, yeah, I mean, kind of. Like, why would I want to fly 15 miles an hour? Okay, well, 30 miles an hour. You're not flying from here to why Seattle. Why would I want to fly 30 miles an hour? Because it's better than flying zero miles an hour? Because I can't fly faster than an airplane. I don't know that I really care. Okay, so like, you're it's out. It's not superhero flying. Okay, so I don't Andrew's know that I want to do it. Yeah, so you're done. You're done. Your, well, why, I your mean, what's thing the benefit is, of it's it? either f- you're flying. I mean, I guess for me, maybe I'd fly to work. First off, it's not a question of if you want to do it. It's done. Everybody flies. You wake up tomorrow. No, but everybody has the being ability on the planet. to fly, right? But that right. doesn't mean I have to. No, nobody says you have to. Ah. So I don't know. I guess I would fly to my work maybe because it's like three or four yeah, miles see, away but, and then no, I wouldn't have to the park. Question, no, no, no. Hold on. The question isn't whether or not you would fly. Okay. That's not like, oh, I'd fly to CVS. Who cares? That's not really the question. It's what happens. Okay. Look at it this way. Does everybody start getting fat? Cause like we stop walking everywhere. I'm sitting here in my bedroom and I want to get a Coke. And so I just float down the hallway into the kitchen because I don't want to walk well, anymore. I guess. I don't think right? I would do that, but okay. I don't think I would either, but I think the novelty of being able to do that, I bet you you would fly everywhere as soon as you possibly could for a while. Yeah, but like you I would, think it would wear off. I don't know. I mean, it'd be just like driving. Oh, when you first got to be able to drive, you drive all the time. And now I'm like, if I don't have to get in my car and drive somewhere, 
it's the best day of my life. Right? Yeah, like, but what, go. what about weather? It's cold. Yeah. You don't have like, you're not impervious to cold. Yeah, but I can put right? on my so, ski outfit and fly. <laughs> yeah. And do you have to hit like a pose or something? Or do you just levitate and fly? Do you have to- Well, like, you said the thing about flapping wings. That never even popped in my mind that I have to fly like a bird. Because for you, you went straight to superhero. Oh, yeah. That's, that's flying. <laughs> that's flying. Birds fly? I know. I know. Lots of things fly. This that is are true. superheroes. So the question of if we fly, we're trying to set some parameters. So speed is one of them. Okay. Is there a pose? Are you better when you're stronger and younger? If you had to physically move in order to fly, as a 25-year-old, you're a better flyer than if you're an 80-year-old dude trying to fly. Because you're like, yeah. oh, my shoulder didn't work. Is this sort like, of so that's or a is consideration. It like based on your physical attributes, your endurance. I mean, just like it would be like if you were a runner. Yeah. Do you get tired? Yeah. If you run all the time, are you better at it than if, eh, today I'm going to decide to fly <laughs> or I never yeah. go to the gym, but so I can only fly about three feet off the ground. But if it's somebody that flies all the time, they're like flying at 20,000 feet or something. Yeah. And then what about like babies? Babies can fly now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's terrible. <laughs> right. I mean, like you sit there and go, if you make the comparison with a baby bird, when they arrive from where they've been growing... They don't fly, just like baby birds don't hatch out of their egg with the ability to fly. Yeah. But it doesn't take that long before they fly, you know, as a percentage of their life. Yeah. And you kind of go, a baby can walk by the time they're like one. So maybe one. they can fly. Yeah. And you're like, you can't fly. Like, <laughs> so you have to like start <laughs> lassoing or tethering them to things so that they don't just like fly away. You leash them down. Yeah. Yeah. Like the bad kids now, they've got a little leash backpack or whatever. <laughs> How do the schools look? your kids going off to kindergarten and the kindergarten teachers it's like she's like a dog walker holding a leash with like 20 kids that are trying to fly away <laughs> you know the playgrounds have those nets on them looks like a giant batting cage so the kids can't fly out of school yeah <laughs> fly off the playground yeah they're in a giant aviary exactly yeah what if like wait if you put a baby in a stroller he can't lift that stroller off like your baby in the stroller aren't flying down the street. Yeah. So maybe you yeah. say, I can carry whatever I can physically carry. I can just fly with it, which means like I can't pick up a car. So I can't be in a car and fly in my car kind of thing. Well, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, that didn't cross my mind either, but yeah. Yeah. But that means you could put like weighted backpacks on little kids. That's what keeps them on yeah. the ground. <laughs> put some, put yeah, some ankle like, weights on oh. them. <laughs> yes. That's got to be part yeah. of it. Or if I sit there and I think, how do our roads change? How does mass transportation That's what change? I was about how to say. Is even if it's at 30 miles an hour, there's still people. If everybody can fly, it's like a traffic jam in the sky and people are flying into each other. And now it's a, a fender bender becomes something different where it's like two people flying into each other and smashing out. Yeah. You have to wear like, deal with that. you're wearing armor everywhere now. <laughs> Every time you're going to fly. You don't want someone to clobber into you. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a real, real problem, but at the same time, think of all of the people who have their inability to get to work or to like, I live here, but my car's broken or I got to take the bus and it takes me nine yeah, four bus hours to get there. All, yeah. 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 And you're like, I always have the ability to go from point A to point B because I can fly. Yeah. Now they can. Which that's an improvement. Yeah. But they could run still. <laughs> you can still walk from point A to point B, but you can't do it very quickly. Whereas if you go. What if you said you could fly up to 45 miles an hour? It's pretty fast. Like yeah, you have a collision with another person at 45. Person at 45? Like you're done. Yeah. Two people yeah. clobber each other, both going 45. 45 like, miles yeah. an hour. Yeah, you're done. So I think in some ways that aspect makes things better to be able to say that I'm always able to sort of transport myself, even if it's, even if we said 30 miles an hour, right? That's still faster than walking, faster than a bicycle most of the time, or other kind of modes of transportation like that. So then at least I could say, well, if I got to go to work and my car's broke, well, I can do it. I don't have to spend money on Uber or a taxi or... But then I wondered, would that start to affect the, the automotive industry as a whole? But if you can't go more than 30 or something, then maybe not. But I wonder if it's, if it's just a different thing where... That goes back to what if you get tired? It's like a Tesla battery. You can only go so far before you have to stop. So <laughs> We have to stop and rest. I could go across town, but I couldn't go to Austin. It's too far, yeah. so I would still drive. Or it. if I did, I'd have to stop five times between here and there. And recharge, or, or the idea that 
I wouldn't go from like from my house to my office. I'm not following roads. I'm going as the bird. I'm straight line. Yes, right. right so right, yeah, I'm not sure. traveling near as going near as far. It's not going to take me anywhere near as long. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go. The idea that cars are bumping into each other is because they're all occupying the same space. If I literally could go anywhere and I don't have buildings or like there's nothing stopping me, like I can just go. I go 200 feet in the air. There's nothing up there. I just go straight to get to where I need to be and just drop down. Yeah. Maybe there'd be less accidents because there's a lot of Except bodies. Except for the other million I'm people not... that are doing the same thing <laughs> in Dallas. But I got the right? same like million people. Fine. In theory, they're in cars. I yeah. Mean, we figure that out. Maybe. And now I don't just have, and we're all in the same elevation. Not only do I have all the X and Y, I've got Z now that I have to Z work with. Z now, yeah. So I, but is yeah, there a I, Z now limitation I have a, on this? Other than it gets cold and less oxygen, I would imagine that there's no limitation. Okay. Well, I didn't know. I mean, if we said speed is a limitation and distance seems to be a limitation, I just said I don't know. Like elevation, height was a limitation. We get to make up the rules. We get to make up the rules. If you could go as high as you wanted and your only limitations were oxygen and cold, who's to say you couldn't? I mean, what would be the restriction? The government says you can't do it? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, you know that rules would be coming, but- Tomorrow, there aren't any rules when you wake up with the ability to fly. How would you figure that out, though? That would be the other question. So what if it just happened? How would it be if you like figured that out or you were the one person to figure it out and then somebody else? Do you think it would be like instantaneous and everybody goes, oh, wait, I can fly? Or it was is it like some domino effect that we would wake up and go, wait, I feel different, man. Maybe I can fly today. And then, you know, everybody starts to I do know. it. I wonder how that rollout would be. Well, there's the idea that... You can fly, but you don't know how to fly. So how do you not fly with your feet above your head, right? Like upside down because, yeah. you know, you haven't. So I would think that there would be something in you that's different enough to where you would just know you wake up knowing you can fly and with the knowledge of how to fly or you don't and you have to discover and you have to learn how to fly. Yeah. And so there'd be like breaking news, channel five, people are flying. Yeah, I know. Right. And you go, I wonder if I can fly. That's what I'm saying. You kind of figure it out. Like if, like you were saying before earlier, it's about some certain pose you have to do. Everybody's like, you see one guy and he does it and he starts to fly. So then everybody in the neighborhood's going outside one arm above their head and going, oh, I can fly too. Yeah. And how many people are going to strike the pose and they're going to like hit the ceiling in their house. Sorry. <laughs> or like they're going to take off and. They don't know how to go slow yet. Yeah, or whatever. You know, like yeah. The whole process. So I think it'd be, one, obviously, it'd be absolute chaos. Yeah, it'd sure. be chaos. There'd I think be, it'd be chaos for a while. There'd be no doubt. And would it be a good thing? I'm not even sure it'd be a good thing. If you had limitations on speed, I go, is there a good thing to doing this? Other than, hey, maybe it's better for the planet because we're not, if we're not driving cars as much. Yeah. May we're not putting as much greenhouse as gas at. We're not like, you know, going the whole petrol route, the rate that we're currently doing. Maybe that's yeah. not a bad thing. That could be a good but thing. But as far I mean, as unless just. There's, there's some sort of environmental impact that we don't know of, of us flying everywhere now. We have some sort of off gas or something that we do as, as humans <laughs> to fly. I don't know. To me, I'm like, it doesn't sound like it's a good thing. I just, I feel like it's, it's something that could be just crazily chaotic and then possibly uncontrollable unmanageable yeah i don't think it'd be a good thing and we also know that if just some people could fly if we said it's not a everybody thing it's just some people kind of thing well that's bad Mm -hmm. it's got to be the everybody can or nobody can because the jealousy of the people who can from the people who can't would probably be fairly profound and there'd be the whole, you're a freak, we're going to put needles in your brain. That whole scenario that we come up every time somebody's got a power that <laughs> mm-hmm. isn't unilaterally applied across the population. Yeah, but um, I wonder if it was like 50%, though, if it would be that big of a deal. In the past, it's always a much, much smaller scenario. But like, what if it was literally 50%? Do you think it would be that put you in a lab and study you kind of thing? Or would it be like something different? I think there still would be some kind of divide, but I wonder if it'd be quite the laboratory case we get into in our other situations i bet somebody's ending up in a lab if it's only 50 percent. because some of those scientists are going to be in the 50 percent that can't fly and they're going to want to know why yeah but some of that 50 percent is also going to be politicians and other things that are going to want to keep that advantage over everybody else sure not everybody's going to end up in the lab but if it was 50 can and 50 can't 
absolutely there would be some study to go into why these 50 can't or why these 50 yeah, can't. True. Needles and brains is going to be happening. <laughs> like, guaranteed. Yeah, maybe 10 out of 50. That middle 20 yeah. in each side is going to get in trouble. Can you imagine if you're one of the persons that couldn't, you're one of the 50% that couldn't fly? Like, how bummed would you be? Super bummed. I guess. I don't know. Again. What? That's crazy. If it's not Superman flying, if it's like 15 miles an hour, I'm kind of like, okay. You know what? I want people to chime in on just how ridiculous a position that is. I think it would be fun for a while, but it would wear off. The novelty of it would wear off and I probably wouldn't care anymore. It would be cool in the beginning, but if it's only 15 miles an hour and I can't go but 10 miles because I have limitations on my ability to travel that way, then I'm kind of like, hmm. At some point, that novelty is going to wear off. Yeah, but if I said, eh, it's 30 miles an hour and you got a 100 mile range. Well, that's different. Uh, I don't want to No, I, that would it's be different. Boring. 100 mile range is different. I never gave it a range before. I just was like, you know, Austin, that's too far. That's that's 200 miles. Not for me, but. It is for I me. I know, so. I, and I'm the one that said that changes, it. <laughs> so. That changes things for me because. That's Houston or Austin or it's almost, well, no, no, about halfway to you. If I had to stop and take a break, I could stop and take a break. It just depends. If it was overly limited, yeah, I think the novelty of it would wear off. Well, I think it's just the same thing if you kind of go, all right, imagine it being the same parameters as birds. So baby birds are terrible at it. Regular birds are awesome. Old birds, maybe they're not as good as they were in their glory days. Yeah, They can't fly. However far they want to without resting, taking a break, maybe getting something to eat. Again, it just depends. If it was overly limited, I might not care that much. If it was Superman versus not Superman, yeah, I am very aggravated and mad. I would be looking for the laboratory to drag somebody into it so I could figure it out. Give me what they yeah. got. Okay, let's answer two questions and then we'll call okay. it a wrap. Okay. What is the slowest speed that you'd be willing to go and not be so blase about flying? Mm. Which I still think is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, even, if it was, even if it was five miles an hour, you'd be like, check it out. No, because that's like floating. That's not even, I mean, I can run okay. five miles an hour. Floating? <laughs> I still It's so ridiculous. Okay. If I could just levitate right now, that would be amazing. <laughs> It doesn't have to have a practical purpose. I know, but it would be amazing for like five minutes, you know, five months, but then it would be boring. Why would, I mean, what's... Okay, anyway, so what's the speed? Okay, I'm going to say, let's go with... Um, the slowest. The slowest would probably be like, yeah, 30, 40, 40 miles an hour. 40 miles an hour. 40 is the slowest yes. to make it worth your yes. time. <laughs> so ridiculous. Okay. Look, I'm a pretty aggressive driver. Like, if I was just driving through the streets at 15 miles an hour, I would want to kill somebody. Yeah. Like, it would drive me crazy. Yeah. But but I'm flying over houses, so not having to, like, meander through streets to get to where I need to be. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I'll stick with 15. I still think that at 15, I would still think that's pretty cool. Okay. What's the distance? What's the shortest distance? between resting i would say i don't know it depends how long am i having to rest i don't know 15 minutes oh only 15 minutes i mean if i make it a long time then you're gonna go like well you know i gotta like stop for half an hour and just sit there well no i mean half an Even hour what? would be okay if it was like i was just thinking like if if i have to okay let's see if i what if it's 15 miles an hour and i go 100 miles that's what I can't even do the math that fast. It's not nine hours. Is that right? No. Let's see, 30, 60, 90, so seven. Yeah. It'd take you seven hours roughly. to go 100. Well, I mean, not that not that long, but just under it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that? why, why would I do that? I would just drive. Yeah. So drive. <laughs> How often are you going 100 miles every day? Never. You're going a couple miles. I know. I yeah. know, but that's... You can just like pop over to school. How far is school Yeah, it's you? about 2.1 or something. Ba, 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 on the way to school. <laughs> like most of what you do is five miles is or true. less for most people. Yeah, but that's not the part I would care to get rid of or speed up. I guess to me, that would be the thing. 
to make easier. Because for me, none of that's very hard. The hardest part about me going to my job is having to park and walk to my school building. You don't have to, you don't have to do that I anymore. Know. But if I just got a scooter, I wouldn't have to do that anymore either. I could just pull up to my office. So You could like fly into windows. You don't even have to go in doors anymore. <laughs> leave a window open, fly in the window. Yeah. I don't know that I have an answer for distance. I'll say 100 miles, fine. 40 miles an hour and 100 miles. All right, so there you go, everybody. That's what Andrew's <laughs> demands are for being able to make flying worth his time. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to call it a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 62, The Virtual Office. We would like to thank BQE for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast, as well as our media partners, Building Design and Construction. If you liked today's episode, please take the next 15 seconds and head over to your favorite podcast listening app and hit that subscribe button so you can get faster than the speed of sound, new episodes automatically downloaded every two weeks. And while you're there, please consider leaving us a comment. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star, can everybody hear me, rating. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this glorious episode. And be sure to stick around until the very end, because if there's any bloopers, that's where you're going to find them. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. I was going to say another one for that would be, you're on mute. I don't know how many yeah. times I said it. You're on mute. Yeah, you're muted. <laughs> Not they can hear, they can't hear you either. I know. <laughs> as you're telling the person, like they can hear you, but you can, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's anyway. wrong. Right. What I said was wrong. Fly by night. Fly by night. Da, 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 da. I don't know the words. Uh, I just know that's a rush song. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, question. Do you want to take the collar off that cat? Can you hear it? It's nonstop. No, I can't hear it at all, man. I, I hear it running, running around. Oh, yeah. Like right then? Totally. That's fine. I can't hear it, I guess, just because I've got my headphones on. So, yeah. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. Andrew called the cat a <sighs> That's not making the outtakes no matter what you do. It's not hardwired. <laughs> I mean it's it's hardwired. Well yeah, no, but like you, wire. you didn't like get up in the attic and kind of throw it around. You just like plugged no. it in the living room and sort of un, undid it as you walked back to the bedroom and plugged yes. it in. Yes. <laughs> and the thing is is I had a friend of mine who gave me a cable. And I said, how long is it? And he goes, I don't know. I made it myself. It's like 30 feet. So I tried it and it's like three feet too short. And I was like, dang it. So I went to the store to buy one. And the smallest one I could get that was the length I needed was 150 feet. So I have a (laughs) giant spool sitting on my desk. That's funny. Yeah, I only need like 38 feet and I have 150. Right? So you could make it... Go ahead. You're saying? No, you were going. No, go ahead. No. We're having a hard time talking over each other this episode. So, look, if well, you I can think go there as high as you want. I think there must be some delay. Want,